we create memories. You mentioned memories. We create that experience and memories. It's our job to do that. You don't know who's sitting at your table. You don't know if, the, if that couple has saved money for the last six months just because they can come and eat here. Yeah. You don't know that. Uh, we had a, we were really busy one night. This was a couple of months ago. And uh, the flight bar, as soon as you walk in, was really crowded. And this two guys and a girl come in. And they said, we want a table for three. And told them it's going to be about 30 minutes. So they decided to wait. And they had a couple of drinks. And it became 45 minutes and close to an hour and they got pretty upset and told the waitress, you know what, we're just leaving. I want to buy a couple of bottles of wine. We're leaving. And the waitress was a new waitress. She went and told the manager, she, you know, manager went by, apologize. You know what, there's a table getting up. We'll get you down right away. Got them down. They ordered two bottles of Screaming Eagle, which is 18,000 a bottle. <laughs> With no idea who they are. So that, that's they were, a, they were a walk-in. <laughs> walk-in. That's the kind of crowd we get. So that's what I tell my staff is, hey, you know what? You don't know. And the, the waiter made it. They gave the the waiter made eleven thousand dollar tip on that on that eleven thousand dollar tip. And God bless these people. You yeah. know, Hopefully they come back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but it's a, you got to make sure you're at your best of whoever's Always. sitting at the table. Yeah. Always. All right, and welcome to the One Shot Podcast. So if you're watching on YouTube or if this clip has been cut and posted onto Instagram, you notice something in front of us. Um, I made a cake for Darren. <laughs> I want you all to... <laughs> Darren's birthday actually uh, was recent, uh, recently took place. Oh, I, think, I think we're hitting the, 25th. the first... Triple digit, right? Yeah. 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 One, oh, 100. One zero zero. Yeah. So Darren is officially 100 years old. <laughs> um, <laughs> we always give Darren a bad time. Uh, but today we have uh, a guest that is long overdue coming on the show. Uh, a guest that talk about taking advantage of your one shot at this life and, and creating and building something and following your passion and understanding your purpose and taking care of people and treating people the right way. All the things that we talk about, this man is like, if you're looking in the dictionary of that, this man's picture is right next mm -hmm. to it. Uh, so we are truly honored to have Chef Samir uh, join us today. Now, Chef Samir is the head chef and owner of Nick and Sam's. Correct. Uh, if you are in, I would say, if you are in like the Southwest, South, if you live below the Mason-Dixon line, you know what, <laughs> you know what uh, Nick and Sam's is. And it's, it's located in Uptown Dallas. Uh, it is, now Tiffany and I have lived all over the country. And we have you know, been fortunate enough to play for some really great organizations and go to some great restaurants, kind of some of it, you know, comes with the mm -hmm. territory. And we got to, we got to Dallas and we went with Tony brought us the first time. That was the first time we went. And, 
literally, it wasn't even a contest because one of the questions people ask, like, oh, what's your favorite restaurant? All the places you've been. Like, well, keep we, in mind, you've lived in Chicago. Chicago, which is, which is a, notori- a notoriously Big good Miami. city. Yeah, right? go through the cities you lived Miami, in to yeah, put so, some context. So Cleveland, I mean, you've got great French fries and, and gravy there. <laughs> Hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Chicago. Uh, Houston, which Houston's great barbecue, mm-hmm. also gets some great steakhouses. Um, and then Miami. Miami, which, you know, I, I think I would say this. I was l- less impressed with the Miami food scene. I, w- I was disappointed. It, it was It's built up to be something that's extraordinary. It was good. Don't get me wrong. But I, then we come to Dallas and we go to Nick and Sam's and it was like, we'd never been to a nice restaurant before. It was that, it was like that much. And, and part of it, one, for sure, the food was just, was just better. And then two is just the overall atmosphere and service. Mm-hmm. And so today we're going to dig in with Chef Samir about how that you built that brand, how you built the restaurant, and, and then obviously what you're doing now. And, and if you're ever in Nick and Sam's, I don't think you could go there any night that it's open and not see somebody that's recognizable, whether you see them on TV or listen to them. I mean, yeah, like Tyler Klutz. I mean, just Aaron Woodson. Just every third day I'm there. But, <laughs> uh, but, Chef Samir, first of all, thank you for joining us. No, thank you for having me. This yeah. is amazing. Sorry, Darren couldn't be here. He couldn't be here. But uh, hey, you know what? Thank you for the kind words. You guys. I was going to say, how does that feel hearing somebody who's literally been all over the country, lived all over the country, and you know, says your um, your restaurant is the best he's ever had. I can't let it go to my head, That's <laughs> but I appreciate it. It means, it means a lot. Um, we just celebrated 23 years, April 20th. And, Amazing. Uh, it's, been, it's been a great ride. Um, our first few years was tough. It was to, to get the people and believe in us. But uh, I think it's, it's taken off, not just me. It's, you know, it's been a bunch of people that brought us all together. Uh, but it's been amazing. And uh, I... I cannot complain. I'm yeah. I, someone. People keep asking me how things going, and I'm really living the dream. I, yeah. I got the kick-ass job. I got a couple of bosses who really don't care what I do. I turn into a Mexican place tomorrow. Hey, money keeps coming in. That's fine. You know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? I I got a great gig. Yeah. And I love what I do. And uh, I've met so many cool people through the restaurant, and and I get to cook amazing food every day for yeah. people. That's awesome. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Couple, couple things. Number one, Tyler alluded to this cake. It is not fake. That is a real. It's, how tall is that? Seven layers. Uh, seven it's a layers. Rainbow cake. You kind of do it. It's all different colors. We're, I mean, when we cut into this thing, it's gonna. I mean, I'm sure it's gonna be even more amazing than. than but that thing is unbelievable. Number one. Number two. Oh, then, go ahead. No, finish that. And then you got some raspberry sauce and the best gummy bears in that little bag. Oh out there, man, so, to top yeah. it off. With. So we're gonna be eating good. Basically, when we wrap up here, we're gonna be eating. Thanks, really Darren. Good. Appreciate you. Except Tyler's on I seventy-five would, hard, I would, so he can't. Deal yeah. is I would break seventy-five hard for this. Like I, I, I'm contemplating. <laughs> That's right how now. good it is. I'm only I'm only yeah. sixty. I only got fifteen more days left, and I would break it. Yeah. For yeah. This. And, and then number two, I'll back up everything Tyler said. Now I don't run in the circles Tyler does, so I haven't. Been, I've only been to Nick and Sam's once, actually, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm a West Texas kid. Like, give me some potatoes and, and a steak, and I'm good to go. Like, I, I'm not a high, you know, I love food, but I, everything he said, I'll, I'll back yeah. up 100%. If you're in the DFW area, you have to get to Nick and Sam's 
like tonight, yeah. which they're probably packed, so you probably can't, but <laughs> as soon as you can, because everything Tyler said, and, and you mentioned it, you said you're lucky, you're fortunate, you're appreciative, and it really does show. I know that sounds cliche, but it really does show in your work yeah. and in your food and the atmosphere of the environment. It, it really does show what you guys are doing, how passionate you are about what you guys are doing. Well, I think it's, it's our culture. I think you, the big thing is you care. Mm-hmm. Uh, you care about the food you make, the care about the people you serve, the care about the restaurant itself. I think it goes a long way, you know, and then mm-hmm. that's the bottom line. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Chef, let's, let's go back because you've got, you've got an incredible story, and, and at the end of the episode we'll talk a little bit more about how people can learn more about your journey. But let's go back because your journey, it's not like, hey, I – I came from a family that just handed a restaurant to me. I mean, your journey is incredible. And so let's go back to the very beginning and, and how you came to be in Dallas and do the things that you're doing on such a high level. Well, it all started off my, my mother. My mother was an amazing cook, and uh, I, she always cooked for me, and, and as you can see, it, I love to eat. <laughs> so that, that's what started it all. I used to help my mom. My mom used to have cooking classes at home, and I used to be a little sous chef and help her, mm-hmm. just help her around the house with, you know, everything. And um, I got really interested and, and um, started working in a couple of restaurants in India. And uh, I wanted to go to cooking school. My sister lived in New York at that time, and she still does, I'm sorry. Um, and she says, why not go to the best school in the world? which is the Culinary Institute of America, upstate New York. Mm-hmm. And I thought about it. Uh, the year before I went to school, uh, my dad had studied in UCLA and mm-hmm. brought the whole family to Disney in Florida. We did Disney for a few days. And then we went to Santa Barbara to visit my dad's best friend, uh, Uncle Bob. Mm-hmm. And we were staying there a few days. And there was one day we were outside and Uncle Bob comes in. And he says, Samir, come into the kitchen. I want you to meet somebody. So I went into the kitchen, this lady standing there, and he goes, Samir, do you know who this is? I said, no, I don't. I says, this is Julia Child. Julia Child was his neighbor. <laughs> and it's like, I was shocked, and I sat and talked to Julia Child for an hour. And how old are you at this point? I was 19, 19 20, okay. somewhere wow. right there. So you were already on the path, right? It's like, I, was, I already wanted to go. Yeah. And she told, told me about the CIA, called the Culinary Institute, CIA, um, Sat there for an hour, talked to her. Then followed, I went back home, applied to the CIA, got in, first three months in the program, she's there signing books. So me and my buddies, we buy a couple of books, we stand in line, I put my book down, she puts her head up and she says, Samir, how wonderful to see you. Blew my mind. <laughs> Mostly blew my friend's mind. Like, Whoa, <laughs> what, what's going on here? Uh, fast forward, we opened Nick and Sam's. And uh, we were talking about French fries earlier, but we moved Nick and, opened Nick and Sam's. We did a private luncheon for Ron Chapman, and uh, Julia Child was one of his guests. Mm. And I went up to her, and I told her a little bit about the story, and she said, Samir, I'm so sorry, I don't remember you. And I don't remember the story, but she picked up a French fry and said, these are the best French fries I ever had in my <laughs> life. Mm. So that's my little Julia Child story. Yeah, that's but, uh, great. Moving there, went to the Culinary Institute, um, Lived in New York for nine years after that. Mm -hmm. And I got a call to open up Nick and Sam's about 23 years ago. And uh, I had $600 in my bank account. Got into my car. 
I said, let me try Dallas. Never been to Dallas. Um, so let me see what happens here. Came here and uh, things changed. Uh, the restaurant, met my wife, um, Texas girl, uh, West Texas girl. Mm -hmm. uh, two kids, fast forward, I'm sitting right here with you guys. That's amazing. All right. The great thing about this podcast, that was a great overview, but we've got time. Okay. <laughs> and I want to break this down. Let's because do a lot of things stuck out to me in that, yeah. in that overview. Mm -hmm. And now, Tyler, I know you're thinking the exact same yep. thing. I want to go back, selfishly, I want to go back to like childhood when you said your mother was a fantastic cook. You always helped her. I've actually got a two-year-old son. I've got a five-year-old son and a two-year-old son. My five-year-old has always been in the sports, balls, whatever, from before he could even walk. My two-year-old, though, it's the most bizarre thing. Cooking is his thing. Ever since he could sit up, He's wanted to be in the kitchen. He's wanted to help my wife or me, whoever's cooking. Is that how you were? were you, is this something you always remember doing? I think eating was the first <laughs> thing, then cooking. I think the eating part, I'm serious, the eating part got me to enjoy food, mm -hmm. to learn more about food. And also my father being, uh, had studied in UCLA, would take us out to nice restaurants in India, and uh, we, I would get to eat gourmet meals. I would get to eat, I would get to do French food. A lot of kids don't, don't experience that, you know, the little tableside service and stuff like that, that I really enjoyed. And again, in a nutshell, I really, really enjoyed eating, and that's what made me start cooking. Uh -huh. The first thing I ever made for my parents, I remember I made mashed potato sandwiches. And they <laughs> told me it's the down the road, they told me it was the most disgusting thing they ever ate in their life. But were you is that is that a thing? Because I've never heard of it. Or was that just like, hey, I want to try something? Nah, it's not a thing. Literally, yeah, mashed yeah. potatoes and bread stuck yeah. together. Nice. But it's, I don't know. it's not a thing. But sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> hey, listen, I can probably make a thing out of it now. Yeah, but I bet you could. At that time, it wasn't a thing. Yeah. But I just started experimenting with stuff. I would, you know, I'd, I would just, I would like, I would love to cook. Uh, even in school, when I was in like seventh grade, there was a home, like a home class where I was the only boy in there. And strategically, strategically, <laughs> and down the road, I realized, you know, cooking's not a bad thing. You know, uh, but um, uh, I really enjoyed it. People made fun of me uh, when I was in uh, when I went to the culinary, and it was my first time in America to go to any school. Uh, our third class in. Uh, it was food, of, like purchasing and identification of products. Mm -hmm. So there's this big old table in front of you, and they put all the stuff in front of you. Red cabbage, rosemary, bib lettuce, stuff I've never, ever seen in my life in mm -hmm. India. Never, ever seen it. And that was the only class I got a C- minus in. And when the grades were handed out, I had a, a classmate who was sitting next to me, saw my grade, and laughed and made a big joke to the whole class that I got a C minus because I couldn't identify certain products. And I went back to my room that, that night and I was talking to my roommate, uh, Chris, and I told him, I said, you know what, I'm gonna keep in touch with this guy for the rest of my life. And I still, he's on my Facebook, he's still, I still keep in touch with him, I no know way. what he's doing. You know, that motivated me to get better. You know, it motivated me to say, hey, you know what, I'm, you know, I'm a foreign student, I'm not from this country, but I know I can cook better than a lot of other people in this country. Mm -hmm. And that's what I try to believe in. There's no motivation factor for me on a day-to-day -day basis. Sometimes you have someone 
like a boss who's motivating you to get better, push yourself. I don't have that. I push myself on different degrees. I think of different things to push myself every day to get better. Mm. And uh, it's worked out so far. So Yeah, I, let's, let's dig a little bit more into that. Uh, I, I still want to jump back to a couple things uh, from your story, but being a chef and, and running a restaurant, it, it's a grind. People think like, oh, hey, yeah, you show up for dinner hour, you cook, and you – I mean, the prep work, the planning, the training, you know, running your staff through, okay, hey, what's on the menu today? What are the specials? What are the things that you need to know? I mean, when typically does a, a day start – like if you're preparing for a big dinner, a, a big night, like a fr Friday, Saturday night, you know, in, in Dallas, I mean, that's – prep starts – Early, early, right? It does. Uh, pastry girls come in at 5 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the hot, like all the rest of the food uh, prep guys come in around 8 o'clock. Mm -hmm. Chef comes in around, I have a chef there, he comes in around 11. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of sous chefs come in about 12, 1 o'clock. Mm -hmm. Then the main staff, the dinner staff come in around 4 o'clock. Okay. But there's a lot of work to do. Uh, we, we have a really, really big menu. Uh, whatever's printed is printed, but we have a lot of off-the-menu features we do. So there is a lot of work. Mm -hmm. uh, we, everyone's, everyone's always said a steakhouse concept is high food cost, low labor. Mm. Ours is high food cost, high labor, high expenses, everything. <laughs> yes. But, I think it's become worth it. You know, it's nothing better than going to a restaurant and then you look at a menu, wow, they have a big menu, and then you also come back with 25 other things that we can serve on the menu for yeah. you. So it makes it very special for the diner mm -hmm. because there's plenty of restaurants in town that have small menus, and I'm not, I'm not knocking them, but you go there two times, and then, hey, what, what else am I going to eat now yeah. the third time? Yeah. So we try to make it exciting i try to develop different things all the time to have diners talk about it mm -hmm. and to experience it because that's that's what dining is all about yeah it's great to have the same thing every day you know every time you go there but to give them something new to really blow their mind it's just something me and my chef were talking about this was a few months ago and we wanted to do something. I apologize. This was last Father's Day. And we wanted to do something for Father's Day. And so we, we, were, making, we were making these mini hot dogs. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we do is we have so much Wagyu on our menu. We trim all the Wagyu after we cut it. We take that and we make a hot dog out of it. Small mm. little hot dogs. And they're amazing. They're amazing yes. hot dogs. So I said... <laughs> why don't we do a big hot dog? Chef looks at me and says, what do you mean, like a foot long? I said, no, a two foot long. So now we have a two foot long hot dog. It's about this big. And it comes with all the toppings you can do on a Chicago dog and all the toppings you can do on a New York dog. And it's, people are amazed by it because it's just something we came up. I'm not going to take credit for it because my chef makes the hot dogs. His name is John. John's amazing at making hot dogs. Um, but it's something new mm -hmm. we do. Yeah. And, I, and that's the motivation that, that, you know, you say, okay, hey, I don't have anybody pushing me. So I was mentioning, like, it, it becomes a grind. 
because of the hours, the, the amount of work, the amount of the amount, of, not only that, but even the creative creatives, like mental exhaustion, right? Cause you're constantly thinking of, okay, how do I change this? Or how do I make it better? How do I make the experience different than this diner's last time? So what is it that motivates you to continue to evolve the menu, to tweak the menu, to change it, to change the, enhance the experience? Cause again, if you go in, What's crazy about Nick and Sam's, and, and I left this out in the beginning, but what's crazy is you go and there's always that mountaintop experience the first time you experience like a, a, mm -hmm. a high, like a really nice restaurant. You're like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing I've ever had. And with, without fail, and again, I'm, I'm pulling Nick and Sam's out of this category, but it's always you go back expecting that same like euphoria that you, that you experience the first time you go. And it's always a letdown. It's always like, ah, and it was good, but it wasn't like I remember it. Mm -hmm. Nick and Sam's literally because of the things that you do, the unique twists that you put on things. And like you said, a lot of times they do things that are like a very like common type of food, but it's the Nick and Sam's touch mm -hmm. on it. Right. And so every time it's like the experience is elevated every single time. And so I mean, what is it that motivates you kind of on a day-to-day -day basis, even kind of in those dog days that are just kind of just like, all right, we got to grind through this? I've always felt that it, we are not good enough. I always mm. walk in, I look at my shrimp cocktail, and I'm saying, you know what? It's a good shrimp cocktail, but I don't think it's the best. Mm. I think that's, that's what gets me going. Mm. You know, uh, people will... People have different tastes, you know, mm -hmm. on, on a nightly basis. Some people will not like something because of the flavors or whatever. But I take it to heart. Mm -hmm. Whether they're right or they're wrong, but if it comes back in the kitchen and someone says, hey, we don't like the chicken or we don't like this, okay, you know what? Let's see how they're cooking it. Let's see what we're doing to it because that's what's going to make us better. You, you said it, you know, uh, you just said it. it is it good enough? To me, a lot of times it's not good enough. We can make it better. Yeah. And that's what I strive to do all the time. Man, I love that. Yeah. Go, going back to your story, you said you born in India, correct? Yeah, where that's in right. India? I grew I was born in Delhi, but I okay. grew up in Bombay, now known as Mumbai. Okay. Uh, it was Bombay. What yeah. is life like in India growing up there? Because you moved to the States at what age? college so 20, yeah 19, about 20. 21 22 okay so I what can. what is life like in india I and mean, we hear stories we we see it on tv but what is life truly like living there you know i had i had a very comfortable life my my parents did well my dad did well in business and so we lived we lived a uh, good life uh, living in bombay was living in like living in new york okay uh it was uh, a very metropolitan city um it wasn't very different uh, but Nothing had really come back. Well, when I was leaving, that's when all the multinationals started building mm -hmm. companies in India and all that. And, that, and that, that's when you saw, uh, you know, for example, you know, Coca-Cola wasn't, wasn't there when I was there. You mm -hmm. know, it came in after I left. So it, so it became, became far more metropolitan after I left than mm -hmm. when I was there. More global, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. More global, yeah. More more influenced yeah. than it was. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful country. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, you know, we were fortunate enough to travel all over India. Uh, I remember, you know, this is stuck in my mind. Uh, my parents took us to the Taj Mahal mm -hmm. to see the Taj Mahal. 
And uh, we got there really late, and uh, they were already closed. And there's no electricity. In, there wasn't any electricity in the Taj Mahal at that time. And I remember my father knew someone, so they took us, you know, with flashlights into the to give us a tour of the Taj Mahal at night. And it was pretty amazing because what stuck in my head is when we went to the grand where the king sat, you know, the, the floor, they put the flashlights face down onto the marble. And I remember this because it stuck in my head that the whole marble floor lit up. Oh. Light went through the marble. It was amazing to see that. Wow. No way. And uh, the second thing was they took us on a horse ride where I fell off the horse and I vowed never to get on a horse again. <laughs> Those are the two things that have been stuck in my mind. So the whole time he's driving from New York to Texas, he goes, they better yeah. not make they better me get on a horse. They better not make me get on a horse. I want to take a quick break and thank our partners, Sleep Number, and highlight a couple of things they're doing. Guys, these Sleep Number beds are unreal. The technology that they've created, the feedback that it gives you on your sleep. I've got the app opened up right here. They tell you things like your heart rate, your heart rate variability, your breathing rate, all these type uh, metrics and feedback to give you so that you can improve your quality of sleep. They're all over the place. You can go and check yourself out, a Sleep Number store, wherever you live. Go to sleepnumber.com as well. They've got great resources on there. We just talked about this not too long ago. They have a whole blog section, all these articles, things that you can improve your health. Sleep Number is definitely changing the game when it comes to betting. So get yourself to Sleep Number, get yourself to sleepnumber.com and check them out. Now back to the episode. Well, what about you personally, goals, aspirations? What did you think? I know you enjoyed cooking, but what did you want to do one day? Where did you see life ending up for you? You know, I never did. Never did till I think I met my wife and had children. I think when I met my wife, I kind of realized, hey, you know what? Now I have a responsibility. Mm. Um, I was pretty... Again, driving, driving from New York, even living in New York, living in New York, I was kind of, I wasn't, I was broke most of the time, you know, just living in New York, but I was footloose and fancy free. I could do whatever I wanted to do. Um, Were you in the city or upstate still? You know, I, no, I uh, moved into the city and I got a rent control studio for $700 a month. Wow. And it was right, right outside Central Park. So it was pretty cool. Um, but that doesn't exist anymore. No, <laughs> no not anymore. <laughs> but coming to Texas and then getting the job, and even my first couple of years, I, I, you know, I hate to say this, but I looked at it as, I looked at it as a job. I didn't look at it as my future. No. And I s slowly realized after, you know, that this is this is big. Yeah. This is pretty big. Of what what I'm doing here. And Nick and Sam's, at one point, I would say about three or four years into when we opened, you know, we sat down in a room and talked about business and said, hey, you know what, we're not doing too well. Do what, what cuts do we need to make? What do we need to adjust? What are we doing? And, you know, but a few years later was, the, I think, we started getting better at what we did. And then Super Bowl hit. And Super mm. Bowl kind of changed everything for us. Ever since Super Bowl... Mm. You know, touch wood, we've been, we've been the place that people want to go to. Yeah. And, uh, but we can be the place, we can always be the place that people want to go to, but if we don't keep up on what we're doing, starting a restaurant is easy. Maintaining a restaurant is mm. it's really, really hard. Mm -hmm. Maintaining it from 
the front of the house to the back of the house. It's, yeah, it's let's dig in. You said you were in New York City. You moved to Texas with $600 in your account to start Nick and Sam's, right? Yeah, I, I was just a chef. I, would, I wasn't okay. Yeah, walk us through that, yeah. like how so, that started, that. how someone reached out to you in New York about starting a restaurant in Dallas. So I used to work for a restaurant called Fousey. Oh. Now, I know there's a Fousey here now, but this was the real original Fousey. This okay. was 19... I think 92, okay. 90, somewhere right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had about 20, 21 stores all over U.S. The original store was in Dallas. Right. Uh, the Columbos, uh, Colombo Brothers, they started Fousey. Uh So I worked for them in New York. And uh, um, Patrick Colombo and Philip Romano started Nick and Sam's. Mm-hmm. Uh, being uh, Phil Romano's son, Sam, Patrick Colombo's son, Nick. Both, and that's how they came up with the name. Um, Patrick called me in New York and said, hey, Samir, would you like to come and open the steakhouse? And, and that's when I decided, you know, things were going well for me. I, 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 work, I was working in a nice place, uh, um, a place called Heartland Brewery, and I opened a couple of breweries for them too. And I was happy, but I said, you know what, let me take a chance. Mm-hmm. And that's when I decided to drive out here, take a look at it, and... Um, you know, it's it's been great so far. So, so yeah. is it was it in the same building that you're currently in when it opened? Yes, same building. Gosh. So the talking about the building, the building Lowry. It was Lowry's before that. Okay, and before that it was a morgue. Huh. That that's what the drive-through was. Yes. Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. So I don't know. Places has something. I was yeah. like, you ever seen any ghosts <laughs> at I, night? I, <laughs> so I've been seeing and dealing with stuff for 23 years. Uh-huh. And there's nothing bad in there. It's, yeah. Everything that is in there is so good because nothing's ever happened to me. Nothing's ever happened to anyone else. Yeah. But it's, it's good spirits in there. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. yeah. It's, Interesting. But there's, there's plenty of stuff that has happened that, uh, I, that I now just... Okay. Like yeah. That. yeah. That's, that's the morgue. So the the idea of of Nick and Sam's from the beginning, right? Because you walk in and it feels it kind of feels like you're transformed back in time, right? It's kind of that that fifties madman type of feel. Mm-hmm. That's how it's lit. That's and it's I mean, would you agree? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um so has it always been kind of that style or has has the the ambiance evolved? It has evolved. I think we were really, really classical when we opened, real oh. classic steakhouse, Frank Sinatra, stuff yeah. like that. Uh, I think we've changed the decor a little bit with the art, with the carpet, with the paintings. Um, we've, we're trying to evolve. Yeah. Again, I don't want to be just with the food and with the service. I think you have to evolve in terms of ambiance too. Yeah. You know, we've... The music we play in the bar is totally separate from what we play in the dining room. So, you know, we want to we want to create energy. Yeah. You know, the music creates energy. The crowd creates energy. Um, there's nothing worse than walking into a restaurant where it's blah. Yep. You know, and that yep. we try not to have that. Yeah. Well, so it's we, I, you know, and I want to do down the future. I want to do other stuff to the restaurant where, you know, we feel we are part. We are moving with mm-hmm. the trends, and yeah. that's what I want to be. At. So, talking about trends, how has how has just the overall landscape of restaurant? I mean, 
That's it. Let me let me back up. Um, what is it? What's the movie Hundred Foot Journey? Is it Hundred Foot mm-hmm. Journey? And and how I, just cooking has evolved since you went to school. I mean, is, has have are there new techniques? Are there new um, new ways of doing things that have evolved, or is it still like all right? No, like there's there's the base foundation of 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 cooking, and that's it, and that's whatever your flavor is. Or has has things changed? I think things have changed drastically, but I think the foundation is still there. The mm. foundation of food, I feel, is flavor. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, that's what food is. Um, how you cook it and what you add to it and the different substances that go with it, those are the trends. You know? mm. But the bottom line is just like cooking a steak. Cooking a steak is, to me, you start with the best product, then you don't have to doctor it. Yeah. You know, you start with the best, you know you're already 90% there. And yeah. then the little things you add to it with your sauce. And we, do, we, we use salt and pepper. That's it. Huh. Nothing else on our steaks. Yeah. There's salt and pepper. Hey, I pay, I pay a pretty penny for those steaks. Yeah. But I know I'm giving the best to my guests. Yeah. And I've already, I'm already halfway there. How do you find that? You talked about the sourcing class. And you're like, I don't know what this is. But sourcing products, like sourcing your meat how do you find it because i mean you've got what an a5 that's off the charts what's the one where you serve it like sashimi and then you cook it on the rock we have i mean all different seven of those different types of japanese beef that we can serve on the rock okay but initially we never had all the wagyu beef we kind of evolved with that yeah but uh, you know our basic steaks i went um with uh, our meat plant is allen brothers out of chicago Uh uh-huh and I try to go to Chicago once or twice a year. And I, I work with the meat, with the butchers. Yeah. And, you know, we, a lot of our cuts, we've cut together. Mm. And I kind of sit with my, my, my person there at Allen Brothers. And I, I talk to her and I say, I want this much age on it. I want this is the way I want it age, whether it's dry age or wet age. And we go over that process and it, it's, it has with every steak on my menu, has a different age, has a different, different process to before it comes to us at Nick and Sam's. Man, how do, you, how do you begin finding those? Like, how do you find the sources of it? Because, I mean, where you get your sushi, which by the way, still the best sushi I've ever had, and I'm a, I'm a big sushi connoisseur. And the sushi that you do is next level. But, I mean, how do you find those? I mean, I just, to me, it's like, all right, well, you, you go to Marketplace or Central Market or so. I mean, you know, you know what I mean? Like, that's just such a, a whole new world to me that I just don't understand. How you say, okay, who is the best producer of this beef or this fish or, you know, this salmon? Or- I think it's a restaurant thing. You know, you, you, you talk amongst different chefs. You talk, you find out who is the best. You know, I... There's a benchmark mm. for stuff, you know. It's just, uh, you know, Allen Brothers is someone that a lot of people cannot afford, mm. afford to have on their menus. But, you know, again, I've always started with the best. I don't mind paying the pretty, uh, pretty penny for it. But in a way, I don't mind charging for it either. Yeah. I, won't, I won't gouge the guest, but I still have to make money on it. Uh, we've been blessed where, you know, with, through these this turmoil of last couple of years with COVID and everything, prices going up. I've changed my prices two times. Mm-hmm. And right now, I, 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 I'm taking a little beating, uh, but I, 
I can't do that to the guest. Yeah. I can't keep raising prices. It's just not healthy, you know. Man. Uh, we have a lot of people coming in through the door every day, and I'm thankful for that. But it's very easy for me to raise that $1 or $2. Mm -hmm. People notice that. You know, a lot yeah. of people think they don't, but I know people notice it. Yeah. And uh, I, it's not fair to my guests. Uh -huh. Yeah, I've got a food question, but since you opened the door there about the pandemic, the restaurant industry was hit hard, probably harder than any other industry. When that initially went down in 2020, how, how did Nick and Sam's, how were you guys affected initially? It was tough. I think, you know, uh, for a few weeks we were closed. We did only to go. And we're not a to-go restaurant. Mm -hmm. You know, we are, we are an experience, yes. you know, when you come to Nick and Sam's. And so it was, it was tough. We did a little bit, try to keep our head, head above water. Uh, I made sure all my kitchen staff were paid. I made sure all my managers were paid. Um, whoever we could pay, I paid. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, took on, I took on the responsibility of feeding a lot of uh, uh, frontline workers. Mm -hmm. We did that. I've always said, uh, take care of the locals. Mm -hmm. The locals will drive your business in hard times. And we believed in that. And, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sundays is pretty much a local. All the locals come out. Mm -hmm. And we try to take care of them. And during the pandemic, once we were open, they all took, they all took care of us. They all mm -hmm. came back. We have been busy ever since then. Really? It's been, it's been crazy. Um, and God bless everyone who's come in and patronized us. Um, it's, been, it's been great. I, but that's what you got to do. Yeah. You know? Did you ever think early on in the pandemic, did you ever think, we're not going to survive this? Was, did it ever get to that point? Um, no, because the people who didn't survive either didn't care mm. And again, I don't want to say anything bad about anybody, no, sure, but sure. we, I've, I've always believed that we get through stuff. You mm. know, we get through different restaurants coming to town, posing as a, as a threat or, you know, uh, as competition. We've, we've done all that. You know, we've gone through that. And there's still people coming into town and, you know, yeah. great, come into town. Yeah. Uh, but we do what we do. Yeah. You know, we believe in what we do. And I believe that we do it well, that we can do well. Yeah. And I mean, t testament to y'all is you have truly taken care of your people for so long. It's, it's no surprise that when, when there's a time that's challenging, like it's not even a second thought for the people that you've served for years. I'll say, okay, because <clears throat> even in those times, I mean, Samir and his team, it was very transparent by those that still went into the restaurant, still um, still supported y'all. In really hard times, you still served them. Like, it was crazy. Like, when everyone's like, get, get what I can, get what I can, get what I can to survive, Nick and Sam's at that time was like, okay, like, finally, like, a taste of the old world, right? Yeah. And, like, they're still generous and still cooking great products and still serving and still doing all the things and, and that's a testament in the confidence in, in your processes and the confidence in your people and then in the confidence in your, in your customers as well because very easily people panic and it's like, all right, I, I got to get what I can while I can because if I don't, I'm not going to survive. It's like, no, like 
we're going to do what we do. And you did. And I mean, there's, it doesn't surprise me that you guys have been slammed ever since. Yeah, it's, it's been, it was, you know, but there, there were tough times too. There Mm -hmm. were tough times because, you know, people walk in and they see a lot of people there and be scared. Sure. Hey, listen, I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. We've got to leave. Or why, why aren't people wearing masks? It's just, I told my staff, you know, either all of us wear masks or none of us wear masks. And if there was one person who said they wanted to wear a mask, everyone would wear a mask. Yeah. I wanted everyone to be comfortable. Yeah. You know, I wanted our guests to be comfortable. And, you know, it, it was, at one point it was, it was a crapshoot. Didn't know uh, yep. which side to go on, but mm. you know we we've gotten through it. Yeah, you know it, it's uh, it was it was a little tough at the beginning, mm. but thank God, you know, yeah. hopefully this is all behind us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Food is so it's a fat, and we talked about this. We had the Traeger CEO on a few a few months back, and we talked about this. Little, they they yes, they're selling a product, but they're really selling an experience, and memories if you will and that's what food is food is it's a fascinating because it you get people together from all different walks of life and you just enjoy food together and everybody's connected and it's, it's it really experience really is the best word for that yeah true and uh you know we i say that to our staff all the time is we create memories you mentioned memories we create that experience and memories it's our job to do that mm-hmm. you don't know who's sitting at your table you don't know if, the, if that couple has saved money for the last six months just because they can come and eat here. Yeah. You don't know that. Uh, we had a, we were really busy one night. This was a couple of months ago. And uh, the flight bar, as soon as you walk in, was really crowded. And this two guys and a girl come in and they said, we want a table for three. And told them it's going to be about 30 minutes. So they decided to wait and they had a couple of drinks and it became 45 minutes and close to an hour and they got pretty upset and told the waitress, you know what, we're just leaving. I want to buy a couple of bottles of wine. We're leaving. And the waitress was a new waitress. She went and told the manager, you know, manager went by, apologize. You know what, there's a table getting up. We'll get you down right away. Got them down. They ordered two bottles of Screaming Eagle, which is 18,000 a bottle. (laughs) With no idea who they are. So that, that's they were, of, a wa- they were a walk-in. Walk. That's the kind of crowd we get. So that's what I tell my staff is, hey, you know what? You don't know. The, the waiter made it. They gave the, the waiter made eleven thousand dollar tip on that. On that eleven thousand dollar tip. And God bless these people. You yeah. know, Hopefully they come back. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's a, you got to make sure you're at your best of whoever's Always. sitting at the table. Yeah. Always. Because it's important to, it might be just another table to us, but it's important to that guest Gosh. that, hey, you know, I'm here. <laughs> I want to have a good time. For, so, for those, young, uh, those young people that are, that are just getting into business, whatever industry you're in, really listen to that story. I think you got to grab onto that. Because you never know if your direct customer, if you don't know who they are, if that direct customer is going to buy you know, a million dollar product from you or on the other side of it, someone has saved up for six months for an anniversary or something that's really, really important to them. And they saved up and they literally, it, 
it made their year or it made their um, th- their marriage something they've never done. And then that person tells somebody, and then that person tells somebody, yeah. and then that person, and now you've got that person that's coming in and spending eighteen thousand dollars on two on a bottle of wine, yeah. right? So again, and and what Nick and Sam's does, and and what Samir has instilled in the, in his team is every single person that comes in. We just sent and Samir took such good care of we just sent some of our dear friends it was kind of the same deal it was like it was a big deal for them to go to nick and sam's and they you know grew up in the country and that was just not something and they still talk about it and you talk about memories and experience and i had i I was really lucky to experience some cool things in my career while i was playing but if you ask me all right hey what are your what are your top three moments in dallas every i would say all three of them would surround one of our friends coming into town and us going to Nick and Sam's because that's the only place we'd go. Like our rule was, hey, we'll buy you tickets and we'll take you to dinner. And we only went to Nick and Sam's when people would come in and visit. And literally every single story that I tell about, hey, my memories as a when I was playing was, oh, we were at dinner with our friends and uh, they brought out the cotton candy dessert that's lit up and Marshawn Lynch comes over and it was like, what's up, boss? You going to eat that? And like <laughs> takes my takes my cotton candy. It was like it was just like it was there's the experience is everything yeah. is everything. Well, didn't y'all go after game? That. Wasn't it a routine thing after game? Yeah, well, every Thursday every we'd Thursday. go every, every Thursday, Thursday okay. in yeah. the bar. Um, and so we'd watch Thursday night football. Tony would talk about golf for like two and a half Tony hours. Tony Romo, for those of you. No, no. He still talks about golf. <laughs> Even more so. I was talking, yeah. we, we went to an event with him uh, this last week, and I always joke, like every single time, the last at least 15 times I've been, I've been with, with Tony is, I, it, 14 of the 15 times I walk into the room and Tony's is doing his half swing and his hands just like this every single time he's talking to somebody about the backswing right here every single time. And I love it. It's like, all right, same old Tony, same yeah. old, but I guess it pays off. He just, yeah. uh, he just won the club court challenge. So, uh, oh, he won he, 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 yeah. Okay. So he tied for first. All right. So yeah, he, know, he did well. You mentioned, did it. you do, was he, he just had a birthday recently, right? 20th or the 21st. Yes. Really yeah. So yeah, a few days yeah. ago. Yeah. Uh. He didn't come to Nick and Sam's, but he, I know he had a birthday. I know, I know where he went. <laughs> All right, I want to take a quick minute to talk about our partner, Choctaw Casino and Resort. Uh, we are really, really humbled uh, and grateful to be a partner for them. If you've listened to the show for any amount of time, uh, you've heard how great the resort is there, how great the casino is, the new expansion. They've doubled in size, 3,000 new slots. They've got unbelievable sports bar. They've got unbelievable restaurants, unbelievable movie theaters, arcades for kids. It is endless, the things that they've not only improved but added. Um, but it's just an the, the experience that they provide is second to none. Choctaw Nation has done an incredible job with the community, with philanthropy, with support. Um, they have just done incredible things. So we are extremely humbled and grateful to partner with Choctaw Casino and Resort. Make sure, I know you know it, but it's just a short drive of 75. Go check them out. And now back to the episode. Yeah, you mentioned earlier, well, before you get there, you talked about that $11,000 tip. I was a waiter one summer, and I got a $20 tip one time and thought I was I'm like, retired. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the greatest day of my life. Play ever. the walkout music. <laughs> I'm out. That was, uh, we had a waiter make, there was a guest that came in. This was a few years ago, 
and that check was 69,000 or 64,000. <laughs> and he, he rounded up to 100,000 to make it a tip. He's like, yeah, it was two people. <laughs> it was three people. Was three oh, people. seriously? And they bought Ace of Spades for everyone in the bar, and they, they, they oh my crazy night. gosh! Yeah. But that's the point right there. Food makes you do that. Yeah, you're having such so. a great time. <laughs> the atmosphere is great. The food's great. The wines, everything's great. Uh, you're willing to do that. It's not even about the restaurant. You look at home. You know, you're home with your family. Yeah. Food brings you together. Yeah. Yes, and. I don't, you guys need to come to this. I don't even know if you all heard about this. This is my Sunday suppers. Mm. Okay. So I've, I've, been, seen, I've seen dinners at, at your place on Instagram so that you shared. So we, I've been doing this for about, about eight years, 10 years, close to eight years now. Last Sunday of every month. My stomach's starting to hurt. <laughs> last Sunday of every month, we throw a dinner at Nick yeah. and Sam's. And the reason I started it is for my chefs. Mm-hmm. My chefs to kind of flex their muscles and say, hey, cook whatever you want to cook. Huh. Oh. So we do different types of themes. I, so the last one we did uh, was Kids Food Elevated, which was this past Sunday. Oh. Uh, I've done Indian food. We've done, we've done barbecue. We've done all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. So basically we charge $80 a person, all the food and all the wine you can but I do it a little Wait, different. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Ben's over here like. <laughs> Did yeah. you just say $80 a person? All the food, all the wine you can drink? Yes. Wow. And by the way, if you're listening, it's invite only. Sorry, you're not <laughs> invited. sold out for the you're next 10 You're not invited. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, and we do a community table. Yeah. So you're sitting with people you don't know. Wow. And it's amazing to see how the night progresses from, we start at seven and we're normally done by 8.30, quarter nine. Um, but people are having a good time. You get to know people that you never met before. I've seen people who have met there before and now come together all the time. So it's <laughs> mm. food does great things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My yeah, wife, my, my no. wife's Italian. And so it was a concept. I mean, my family ate dinner together, but it wasn't, it wasn't the like, Hey, we're going to cook and we're going to be here talking for two and a half hours. For me, it was like, I'm, I'm the Michael Irvin, right? Like I'm eating, like I'm in prison. Like I'm, uh, I got all these brothers and sisters. If I don't eat it, it's going to be gone. So I just didn't, I didn't savor food until later in life. And then I, I met, met Tiffany and her family is her poly and I, her family, like it's just an event every yeah. single night. Everybody's helping in the kitchen. Everybody's cooking. The whole spread is out. And they're literally like, that's where they do life together. Yes. Like that's where the conversations happen. The, the day before Christmas Eve, yeah. the, the Feast of Seven Fishes they do, the Italians do, is, is just amazing. They you cook seven different types of fish all, day, all night long. <sighs> and they'll cook the one piece of fish, and they'll all sit down and have it together, and then they'll go their separate ways in the house, do other things, do, and then they come back 45 minutes, an hour later, and do the second piece of fish. And it's, it's, I've experienced it once. Um, and it was, it was amazing. Yeah. Awesome. You, you said it, Tyler's three, your best playing memories yeah. revolved around food, more specifically Nick and Sam. Yeah. But I think about my life, some of my greatest memories, food was involved somehow, some way. Yeah. And my family was like Tiffany, we weren't, we aren't Italian, but four, three brothers, two parents, we didn't have a lot of money. So we didn't go out to eat. Like if you went out to eat, that was special. Yeah. So how did we replicate that? We did it at home. Everybody's working, everybody's around the table. And we did, no TV, no distractions. 
you're sitting there talking to each other. You're getting to know about each other. But that's what it sounds like the atmosphere you guys have created. And I've experienced this. But it's, hey, there's no distractions here. Cell phones are away. Like, we're... We're getting to know each other. Yeah, you. I, I would say that you walk through unless someone's taking a picture of the food or, you know, the the balloons that are lit up or the presentation. Unless someone's taking, you walk through there and you don't see people on their phones because and and like you go in the bar, it's loud. It's yeah. loud because not yeah they've got music, but it's people are talking. Mm-hmm. And then you go into the dining room. You talk about energy, like. There's energy, yeah. and that's and that's what it should be, right? People are in there. People are excited to be there. They're excited if, either to get to know people, to do deals. I can't imagine the deals that are inked yeah. in, in the dining we have, room. You know, we've been blessed to be known as, hey, you want to close a deal? Let's go to Netflix. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> I turned my buddy on to it, um, and he's, like, in the medical sales profession. And so now, like – Almost all of his dinners are at Nick and Sam's. Yeah. He's trying to close a doctor, like win a new win a new client. It's like, all right, we're going to Nick and Sam's. Man, I'm thinking about charging a little corporate. Seriously, you should be getting Imagine the if you just say, hey, look, dude, I'm just just give me a 10% referral fee for every new doctor that just ongoing. <laughs> all right, what's your what's your? This may be a dumb question. It probably is a dumb question, but like your food, like if you were in a, if you had one food to cook, like what's your go to for yourself? For yourself, like and then, if you're just like, oh, I just want to create something magical here. What is it for I you? I don't cook for myself. No. Really? I'll cook for my friends. I'll cook for my family. Listen, um, what, Monday night? Monday night, uh, my son had a friend over. Um, we invited a couple other people, and uh, I made some steak and some sides and stuff like that, and I ordered a chips burger. Really? really? I, I, I'm, so, I'm so... I love other people cooking for me. Okay. I, I just... People are so intimidated to invite me to the house because yeah. we don't know what <laughs> yeah. they're going to cook yeah. for you. Shit, I go to McDonald's on late night, <laughs> you know, on a Friday night after I'm drinking at the bar. And That's see. amazing. Um, no, I'll, I love, I love pe- when people cook for me. I love I, my, my favorite meals I like going to is dim sum. I don't know if you ever yeah. had dim sum. Uh-huh. I love going to dim sum on Sundays and oh. I enjoy it. Uh, yeah. I love Asian food. I love to cook Asian food, but I'll never cook it for myself. Huh. Okay. So you've, you've obviously created some of the best food on the planet, but if you were to go traveling, you said dim sum, but if you were to say, all right, I could go anywhere and have any, any type of food, like what would that, what would that, uh, like style of food be, you know, whatever Italian ethnicity wise, what would it be? And then what would the plate be? I don't know what the plate would be, but I want to go to China. Okay. Mm. I'm dying. To, I, I love, I've always loved Chinese food and um, it's just getting to more, know more and more about the different regions in China, the different types of food from Sichuan region to the other regions. It's just, it intrigues me and I want to go there and, uh-huh. and really experience it there. Yeah. See, I, see I, I'm the same with, with Chinese food. My fear is that like, I love Americanized Chinese food. And so I haven't gotten deep into the research, I'm sure, like you, where it's like, like I love, there's a, there's a spot in Plano that's really, really China good. King? <laughs> Rice pot? <laughs> I hit a buffet but up there's a, there's a place in Plano, on Plano Parkway over, um, uh, oh my gosh, I just blanked on the name. I'll, I'll tell you offline. But yeah, it's amazing. There, and it's, and it, I would say it's, it's, it, it's just a finer Chinese restaurant. Um, but I, I'm, I'm with you. Like I could eat, 
I could eat Asian food seven nights a week mm. between Japanese and Chinese. Me I too. could eat it seven nights a week. Well, that, that's the other thing about food is every culture has their different style. Mm-hmm. Culture different. and then regions within that right, culture. Right, right. It's just such a... It's like today. I went to work around six because I'm, I'm cooking Indian food for somebody for a tasting for, um, for Saturday, for a guest. So that's what makes it so much fun. You don't yeah. have to cook steak every day. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I get to cook anything I want and anything I it's it that's that's the beauty about being a chef. Yeah. You know, and, and not many people can say that because I can walk in there and make it really special. Yeah. For myself and for whoever I'm cooking. Well, yeah. you get to be creative. You get to True. It's, it's an art form. Yeah. It's it's, it's edible like, art. At one time shit, you got to go out on the field and play football. You know, it's just people you look at it as, hey, it's just another game, you yeah. know, but it's, a lot of people look at it as, wow, he's getting to create, he's getting to do yeah. things. And yes, yeah, it makes, it's so much more fun doing yeah. that when you're yeah. walking in there. Okay, so one thing that I, you know, for me personally, I've been in since transitioning out of football, I've been kind of grind mode for, I guess, five years now, a little over five years in in like the corporate like the real estate world and i've been doing that and it's been grind and there's there's good moments there's bad moments but one of the things that i feel like i've neglected is that just quiet time and i would think is that something that's important to you to say look i've got to take a step back and i've just got to go kind of clear my mind from the grind and like get those creative juices going again because if you're going to create something i'm sure you're working with your chefs but like okay, I've got to create some space that I can think of something new and unique to add to the menu to continue to evolve. Is that something that you do or is it, hey, just we're going and if it comes up, it comes up? I think more so I I see stuff uh-huh. and that like energizes me. Yeah. Um, we were in San Francisco, me and my wife, another couple having dinner and uh, – Couple next to us ordered orders dessert, and there comes this little small little bowl of cotton candy. Mm. And Lori, my wife, looks at me and she goes, "You can do better than that." I said, "I know I can do better than that." <laughs> and that's how I created the cotton candy. Yeah, you know, it's just it's, inspiration. Yeah, just your comes little your little bowl. We um, do two foot hot dogs, um, and we're gonna do I, a much better cotton I candy. I go I go to different websites. Have if I have free free minute at work, I'll go on the computer. I'll, I'll look at what's happening in New York. I'll look at what's happening in Chicago, what's in LA, what restaurants are opening up, what people are doing. And sometimes you get stuck in that box in, uh-huh. in work. And you, you know, that's why I need the help from my purveyors to come to me and say, hey, this is out there. You know, yeah. Come and show us what's out there. Show us the new things. But I'll, I, I get inspiration from other people, mm-hmm. from what other people are doing. Not necessarily copy them, but hey, what are they doing with this? You know, let me try something different. Uh, there was, uh, I was making pastrami for a guest one day. And uh, my chef next to me was cutting ribeyes for service. And I said, you know what, give me one of those ribeyes. So I put it in the pastrami brine and kind of cold smoked it just like you do with pastrami. And we tried it out. And pastrami ribeye came on the menu did you know that was going to work out no i didn't (laughs) i thought let me just take a chance you know let me see and you know we tried it and came out great wow so it's just uh, little things like that you never know where you're going to find inspiration has anything flopped 
before? Oh, a lot of things <laughs> have flopped. Oh, a lot of what, what's have, a memorable flop? It's like, you know what? Guys at work are so nice, they won't say anything to me. <laughs> <laughs> you, know? you write their checks, uh, man. I know, Chef, it's, it's good. It's, it's really good. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. No, Maybe let's not. wait till not next month, but the month after to put it back on. <laughs> I tried to make these potato churros the other day, and I know Chef John was looking at me saying, yeah, they're good. I said, they're not good. <laughs> <laughs> So walk us through as we're starting to kind of wrap this up. I mean, I've been what I see and experience of Nick and Sam's is incredible. Um, But there's obviously you mentioned the pandemic was a challenge early on was a challenge. You came as a chef and and you had ownership that brought you in as a chef you have grown within that and into an ownership role of that company walk us through what that transition was because i think at some point you're like all right like i think i've added enough value and i think that my worth is enough to start this conversation walk us through that transition from just being a chef into ownership well initially when we were brought in when i was brought in uh they gave us like a percentage, okay. 1%, 1%. Uh-huh. Um, a percentage of anything is just a percent till yeah. you actually start making money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we right. really didn't make a lot of money in the beginning. I think I worked hard where I grew myself from one to two and then you know, over a little bit more now at 10%. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you've got to work hard for it. Yeah, uh, you just uh, I think you've got to show what you can do. Uh, have I put everything I have into this restaurant? No, mm-hmm. I, I think I can. I, I have a lot more to offer. I want to do other things. I want to I want to make sure that this restaurant is hopefully the best restaurant ever that people yeah. go to. And you know what? We don't we don't do that every day you know, mm-hmm. because there's always a pocket of people that mm-hmm. didn't like it or thought it was just okay yeah. and it irks me yeah. when I hear that yeah. so there's a lot more to do to make it better and yeah our line of work you can screw something up but it's not usually blown up into a big deal you're getting your ass handed to you by thousands of people so weekly if you come in and have a bad experience you're going to tell five other friends don't right. go there yeah. right. it's terrible yeah. yeah you know and I don't want that to happen so you know, I try to make sure that we call everybody. We have so many people coming through every It's hard to reach out to everybody. But yeah. make a few phone calls. Go and touch every table. Ask the right questions. You know, those are the things that are going to make us better and make their experience better. Uh, you know, it's just these little things matter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have a group of people that believe in that culture. And uh, just recently... I was fortunate enough. My owners came to me and offered me more percentage, and uh, you know, and I, I declined it. And I said, "Hey, what I'd like to do is give three people in the restaurant a little percentage." Wow. And I gave my general manager, my beverage director, and my chef. We gave them a little profit sharing, yeah. uh, where, you know, I want them to feel, I want them to think and feel, I want them to think as an owner, and now you are an owner. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so, um, I'm. I want to do bigger and better things. I'd, I'd like to do a couple more different concepts in town. Mm-hmm. Huh. But, you know, I go, Nick and Sam's is my baby. Yeah. Right? I got to protect my baby. Yeah. That's uh, a big part of your life. And you protect it with the right people. And you, yes. and like you said, giving them ownership, it's a, 
it's a different perspective than, hey, I'm just a chef or I'm just a general manager. Mm -hmm. Like when you can say when when you're when you're telling somebody what you do and you say my restaurant, that's different than saying, oh yeah, I work at Nick and Sam's and I'm yep. a, I'm a, you know I'm a manager. Yeah. It's like, hey, you start thinking a little differently. Yeah. yeah. When it's your when your money is involved. Yeah. You know? uh, as we close this out, you've got an exciting project you're working on right now. We've got really two exciting okay, yeah. adventures. Tell us what you can about, you know, the future. What first, first, I think first, uh, your, your catering and, and, and where that sprung from. And then. Well, uh, a few months ago, um, middle of last year, really, uh, Philip Romano came up to me and said he had a, he had a spot down on in the design district, which is a catering kitchen. And, uh, the person in there had left and uh, he said, hey, Samir, do you want it? I and I said, yeah, you know, I've always wanted to do catering. Um, the reason being is Nick and Sam has always been a little stigma to say, oh, Samir does steak really well. Let's go somewhere else for something. Yeah. So I want people to know that I can do anything and everything mm. from Asian yeah. food to Mexican food to Indian food. And uh, it's it's been... It's been great so far. It's called Savor by Samir, and uh, we've—I got a great crew, great chef, great person to run the run the run the place. It's slowly but surely we're growing, so that's yeah, awesome. that's been a good good. Congratulations! Uh, and, and testament to that is is Samir and his team. They did an event for us actually at our house a couple of weeks back, and it was it, it it was it was incredible to see right. Different entity, different, but same touch that Samir, the the impact that he's left on Nick and Sam's is the same that he's bringing into this catering company. So, you know, the manager that was there on site, Samir actually came up and checked on it just to make sure everything was good. You guys have everything. We live in Oklahoma, so we know how big of a deal <laughs> that is. I was going to say, that's huge. There. That's huge. He drove all the way but up it, there. But his team, I mean, it was just off the charts, and it was it was incredible. And and I know you've you've done some other catering events. I think even prior to Saver opening. We've always catered. Yes. Yeah, done yes. some stuff. And it was probably sure just the demand was there. It's like, all right, we really want to, you know, blow the roof off this yeah. thing. We're going to get Samira to cater it. So now official, you've got, you've got it all set up. So Saver by Samir, if you are throwing an event, I mean, what would you say like the ideal, like the ideal number of people would be? Um, as little as four, as many as 400, whatever mm. you want. You can That's make it awesome. happen. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. All right. So then now we got into your journey, but if somebody wanted to listen to or or read or learn more about Samir's journey to where he's at today. What's, what's in the works book. Um, I'm excited to say, hopefully in the next few months, I'll have my book out. And, uh, I was fortunate enough to have, uh, a couple of great people help me kind of bring the book together. That's obviously Phil Romano. Number one kind of pushed me to do the book. Um, number two, Dirk Nowitzki was kind enough to write the forward <laughs> to it. No big deal. And, uh, no big deal. Hall of Famer. But I've, I've been struggling and for for a long time on what the title should be. So yeah. and Luca Luca was kind enough to give me the title. So it's my son Luca, by the way, that yeah. you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so Luca Doncic. It's going to yeah. be uh, it's going to be fun. It, it's going to be a that's good awesome. book. It's has a few recipes in there, but it's more about it's just some fun stuff. You'll 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 you'll. That I've experienced in Nick and Sam's, experienced in my life, and uh, a lot, lot about what we talked about today. And that yeah, releases-ish, a couple, couple, couple months, months, you said? Hopefully in a few months, yeah. yeah. 
Well, here's the deal. I, I, I was, I, food, food has always been something that's fascinating to me. Cooking has been fascinating to me. It's something that I, you know, I'm not good at it, but I enjoy doing it. So I was super excited to, to have you in here and talk about this. I think something, the wind change or something in here, because I keep getting the whiffs oh, it's, of this it's cake. right at us. So yeah. we got to wrap this thing up so we can cut into it. But no, man, this was, this was so much fun. Was, you know, this is awesome. Exceeded what, what I hoped. You know, the, the, the restaurant world is, is a challenging yeah. world, but you've been crushing it for, you know, a long time now. Um, and it was really cool to get to know not only your story, but just, just how it all works. Yeah. I mean, thank you for coming on, but just thank you for what you do for the city and you know, the, the area of DFW. I mean, so many people have made memories. So many people have experienced, um, I mean, the highest level of food consumption and it's, but really though, like the, the camaraderie, I mean, again, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have many of the friends that I have if it wasn't on the level that it is, if it wasn't for Nick and Sam's and, and what you do and just to take care of us. And, you know, just the fact that my wife would text me like, Hey, we've got this event. I mean, you answered right back, checked in, followed up. I mean, that's restaurants, restauranteurs, chefs. Like, I don't know if you think that it's common, but my experience as a consumer, it's not common. And so just thank you for what you do for our community. And, and man, we, we are, a lucky, lucky city to have you here. You guys are too nice. Thank yeah, you. Thank you for having it. me. Awesome, man. Again, Saver by Samir. Keep an eye out for the book. We're going to keep the title secret right now. Um, Get yourself to Nick and Sam's. It's got, it's got the Luca, Luca touch to it. And, uh, yeah, get down to Nick and Sam's. Mother's Day's coming up. Come on. I don't know if you guys are already booked out, but. Big, big Mother's Day buffet. Yeah. There you go. Brunch. There you go. So if you're local here in DFW, even and, if you're not, and order, fly yourself in, get and yourself. order, I'm going to answer my opinion, uh, but no. if yeah, you Tyler, go to Nick and yeah, Sam's, yeah, yeah. if you go to give Nick and Sam's your, and you order one thing. Give us your give us your rundown, Tyler. What are you getting? Well, I'm I want to hear from you. No, no matter what, you have to get the best damn fries. Well, yeah, for you sure. You have to. Like, that's, like, <laughs> that's a, that's a no-brainer. Um, the other thing that I, I would say that I brag about the most um, that I look forward to is probably the, the lobster, the lobster tempura. I don't know mm. why I've always, I like over the top. Oh, the fr fried lobster. The yeah. fried lobster. Uh, sorry, not tempura. Fried yeah. lobster. And I like the, the Asian sauce. I know you do the, the buffalo. Kung Pao. We do the Kung yeah. Pao and the buffalo and the Szechuan. Yes. Oh, man. So those are, that's my favorite. The steaks. Yeah. Crazy. So basically you're saying just order one of everything. Yeah, you can't go wrong. <laughs> you honestly can't. But also the sushi, I mentioned it earlier. The sushi is really good. Is next level. Yeah. Next level. Right. But okay, we're if going. you were to, if you were to tell someone, all right, hey, starter, entree, dessert. It's like picking between your kids, I man. Know, you I can't know, do really that. Um, <laughs> oh, we're doing it. <laughs> warm crab roll to start. Okay. Chateaubriand for dinner. Au grand potatoes with Chateaubriand. Uh, probably the baked Alaska for dinner, for dessert. Okay. The baked Alaskan? Baked Alaska. The s'mores baked Alaska. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. You heard it from the horse himself, <laughs> even though he doesn't like horses. <laughs> you heard it from the horse's mouth. So All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, Appreciate you. everything you do. And Ben cannot wait to dig into that cake. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Samir. Thank you. Thank you.